Hey, uh, Georgie. What a nice boat. Do you want it back? Um, yes, please. You look like a nice boy. I bet you have a lot of friends. Three, but my brother's my best ass. Where is he? In bed, sick. I bet I could cheer him up. I'll give him a balloon. Do you want a balloon too, Georgie? I'm not supposed to take stuff from strangers. Oh, well, I'm Pennywise the dancing clown. Pennywise? Yes, meet Georgie. Georgie, meet Pennywise. <laughs> now we aren't strangers, are we? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's time for Ben and Blake's Excellent Adventure Podcast. We're here to bring you the best in entertainment and other entertainment-related news. So without further ado, I'm Blake. And I'm Ben. And together we are. Wow. Oh, wait. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Sorry. You can play a guitar better than Ben. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Oh my gosh, dude. You know what? It's the 8th of night of September. Something like and that. And it's 4,397 degrees outside. <laughs> How's things been going? Pretty good. Pretty good. Well, work hard. Work for hard the, for the work money. Work hard for the money. Yeah. So, um, so you better treat me right. <laughs> That's... Uh, <laughs> I'm, I get that confused with I'm so excited every time that I don't, I don't know why. And then I automatically think of Jesse Spano flipping out on... I'm um, so scared. On a... Oh no! Is caffeine that pills? Yeah, no caffeine pills. Well, <laughs> like she was even on crack. She was on caffeine the yep. entire time. Alrighty, we have got an interesting show lined up for you guys today. We got some rumored Harry Potter news we're going to talk about. Mm. Um, if you have noticed by now, our opening sound bit always refers to something we're going to talk about. Uh, ben, it too opened in the theaters and is sure did. blowing everybody away right now. I really would like to go watch that movie. I but would too. I haven't had a chance yet. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about Bobby Brown, our favorite um, singer who likes to stay in trouble all the time. <laughs> Apparently got kicked off of an airplane this time. We're going to talk about some uh, television series that have just uh, kicked off new seasons. Got some Star Wars rumors. Then uh, we're going to be joined a little bit later on after our break by uh, Lynn Robbins. We're going to discuss our top five sports movies. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Ben, I'm not going to lie. I've been dying all week to hear <laughs> the most non-athletic person in this duo talk about sports movies. I was on the tennis team. Exactly. So what did I tell you, Lenny, was on the tennis team. He was on the tennis team. I was number three seeded uh, singles on the tennis team. That's right. How about you, that? You were. You were. Um, yeah. And so, and then Ben's got some interesting what's happening uh, news for stuff going on around the area and the region. But before we jump into all of that, we can't go any further without thanking our sponsors. Ben, uh, first foremost, the guy that's been with us since day one, I want to thank Mr. Bill Murray and the lovely people down at Acme Pharmacy, part of the Murray Drug Company. Yes. Like we always say. That'd be your Paul. That'd be my Paul. Yeah, I saw him Sunday morning, and he looked like he was ready to leave and go home and take a nap <laughs> because Eve was explaining something to me, and he was like, "Eve, I'm going home." <laughs> he's been having a hard time sleeping uh, yeah. here recently, so he's been up at late hours. So I was assuming they drove separately because he just left, and she was still talking, and she yeah. didn't ever move. But uh, yeah, Acme Pharmacy located on East Dame Avenue here in Homerville, Georgia. They're your one-stop shop for all your pharmaceutical-related uh, needs, healthcare yep. product-related needs. 
and if nothing more than just going by early in the morning and having a cup of coffee with the local Homerville crew and getting all the scoop on all the stuff going on. You know, I, I thought being, you know, working with the newspaper, we were the go-to stores for news, but I was wrong. It's the, it's the, <laughs> it's morning the coffee, it's the coffee table at me in the morning. That's right. You hear all the stuff you want to hear and probably a lot of stuff you don't want to hear. So go by and check out Acme Pharmacy. You can give them a call at 912-487-5327. You'll actually hear an ad from them later on. And if you see, he's been working a lot more lately uh, yeah, here recently. If you, if you see him up there or if you see him around town, tell him happy birthday. It's his birthday this week. So, uh, oh, what day? September 12th. September the 12th. No. That's Thursday. Yep. So, uh, Mr. Bill, if you listen to this, happy, happy birthday. birthday. Yeah, Ben and I were the first ones to tell you that. <laughs> and I don't care what Ross and Trey buy you. It's not cooler than being mentioned on the podcast. Right. Uh, and we also need to mention Anchor.fm. They are the app and the web uh, browser, not web browser, but the website that we go through to host this podcast on uh, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio America, several different outlets. Uh, they are your one-stop shop. I said one-stop shop with the Lasco. I've got to come up with a new. <laughs> Anyways, there you go to place for all things podcast related. They have a nifty little engine built into their website yeah. that you can actually record there. They offer free sound bites and intro and outro music. Um we choose to do our own but uh they host for you and they put you out onto other platforms to get your podcast heard you can also record your own like we do and save it to an mp3 format and then upload it to their website and they will put it out you can download the app on all uh, android and apple it's on both app stores nice. and that's anchor.fm go by and check them out ben let's uh, start with the with the big one first it chapter two came out um a it I guess it's kind of like a sequel to, I mean, well, it is a sequel yeah. to the, it that came out, what, uh, 2017? Yes. Um, 16 or 17. It was 17. But in all reality, it's not really a sequel per se because when it came out in the, was it the 90s? Early yes. 90s? It was like three and a half hours long anyway. Yeah, it was a miniseries. It was yeah, a two-part uh, two miniseries. And it dealt with the characters dealing with it as a child and then, and then as into adults. the future. And this is, this sequel is pretty well going to pick up after the childhood and deal with it from the adult yep. uh, perspective. It's like 20 years later or something like that. Yeah. Uh, critics are, are saying it's a pretty good movie. And basically, this past week wasn't that great of a week for the box office anyways. It debuted with a $91 million opening in North America. $91 million opening weekend. Now, they fell short of the first edit. It uh, debuted at $123 million in mm -hmm. 2017. But still, I mean, that, that's a pretty good um, opening. You know, and like um, Paul Dergrabidi, Durga, Durga I don't know, he's, he's a media analyst with Comscore. Uh -huh. He said, unless you're Avengers Endgame and you're not trying to fish a record in three hours, that's you know, yeah. a pretty good opening. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, it's not bad. Yeah, and so it's, you know, it features the return of Pennywise, everybody's favorite little demonic clown played by <laughs> Bill Skarsgård. I think he does an excellent job. Yeah, he's really creepy. Excellent job. Um, every time I watch the old it, all I can think about is it saying being Mr. Homolga in, <laughs> in Congo. Mr. Homolga. Would you please, beat, beat, Richie. Would you please stop eating my sesame? Anyways. <laughs> no, um, no. Yeah, and so it, according to um, MSN, they said it came at a, at a welcome time for Warner Brothers because they had a really crappy summer when it comes to movies in the box office. Um, hmm. Like the kitchen blinded by the light. It Chapter Two looks to kick off their fall lineup um, because they're also putting out Joker. Yep. And um, 
Yeah, and then there's another Stephen King Which adaptation. Which has already got early Oscar buzz, yeah, Joker does. And, and now that I've had time to research that and watch a little more of the previews, I'm a little more excited about it. Yeah. Um, it looks like it... I, I'm going to watch it. I'll see. Um, it's, it looks like... I haven't... Like I said, it's not out, so I haven't seen it. But it looks like it has a lot of of uh, similarities with the uh, Martin Scorsese movie The King of Comedy yeah. which also starred Robert De Niro um, but we'll see if that's the case that movie could be totally different than uh, than what anybody's expecting yeah so. and they've also got um, um, another Stephen King adaptation uh, Doctor Sleep yep which is the sequel to The Shining yeah now here's the yeah now here's the here's the fun thing about it too it's three hours long uh huh it's it's almost as long as the original which I'm the original was it was a little longer than three hours have you um, have you ever read the book I mean that book is massive so yeah and uh overseas now uh, it kicked off no 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 it kicked off with a 184 million dollar um opening overseas and they're basing it on everything because of the timing of the release um movie grab now moviegoers are looking for those movies that kind of feel like events instead of just like a quick hour and a half yeah show i mean if you look like the the last two avengers movies were long like that um yeah star power because i mean lord this dude this has got yeah James Bill, McAvoy's in it Bill Hader Bill Hader's in it Jessica Chastain um, yeah Jessica Chastain James McAvoy Isaiah Mustafa and Jay Ryan um, so it's got it's got a good it's got a really good uh, yeah. squad there and I'm excited I might go watch that this weekend I don't know you know it's getting close to October anyway so it's gonna be horror movie season anyway yep yeah, it is um, the season Ben, you were mentioning something about a rumored Harry Potter movie. You want to give me some info on that? Yeah, there's been lots of hints dropped by um, J.K. Rowling herself about a possible uh, another Harry Potter movie uh, that presumably will be based on the the Cursed Child uh, book that she wrote, uh, and it'll it'll be about uh, Harry's son, uh, Albus Severus. Albus Severus, yeah. Uh, but the, supposedly if the movie is made that a lot of the cast members from the original series will be coming back to reprise uh, their roles so that's interesting only because I think nobody thought that that would happen <laughs> yeah well I've, I've read a majority of that book and now here's the trick or here's the thing about it is it's not written spoilers any spoilers no I'm not gonna give okay. you any spoilers <laughs> I'm just saying it's not written in like story form it's written more like a play, a play. yeah and so for like Harry Potter like followers if, you, if you've read the books don't go and jump on it expecting the story to flow as well as it does in the other mm-hmm. in the other books it's still a very good read um, it it involves Harry's son and Hermione's child getting a time turner and going back in time to try to change the events of the other Harry Potter movies before they even start. And of course it features like um, Draco Malfoy's kid. It's got like all of the kids from the original. Um, And here's here's a secret. I'm a Harry Potter nerd. I've read all of the books. Oh gosh. When I read a book and if it's a good book, I'll put it up and read it again later uh-huh. several times. And so I've probably read through the entire Harry Potter series like four times, <laughs> all of the books. And I didn't start until um, Prisoner of Azkaban came mm-hmm. out. And I was actually working at the prison here in Homerville. And we get bored on the weekends. We go to the library and steal books and read them. <laughs> I was like, hey, I'll read the Harry Potters and, and be a nerd. But um, yeah, and so I mean that 
the book. So from what I've read, I'm almost. Fin- I hadn't. I mean, I had to go back and re, you know, finish it or whatever. Mm-hmm. But from what I've read of it, I mean, it's it's pretty well follows in line with the others as far as the. You know, if you can take your mind and make it convert the play into like a story format, yeah. um, there's enough meat there to make another movie. I mean, you know, and they've had success with the um, ordinary or extraordinary or what is it called? Ordinary beast, extraordinary beast. Oh, uh, fantastic beast! Fantastic beast, and where to find them? They did a part one and a part two, mm-hmm. and, the, and the part two they're they're basically Harry Potter prequels mm-hmm. because they have a younger Dumbledore and yeah, all that good stuff. So yeah. Um, if we see more news about that, we'll definitely get that out there because I'm I'm excited about it. I know Paul Fulton will be excited about it. <laughs> he he said something. He was talking. What was it? He said. I don't even remember now. But I made reference. I was like, you can't say somebody's a nerd because you're like the nerd preacher around town. You're the, I bet you're the only pastor in Homerville, Paul Fulton, that has a full Star Wars Jedi robe that you wear to every premiere. <laughs> By the way, he can't go with us to open the night because they're going on a cruise that weekend. Ah. Uh. So his idea is he's going to catch the premiere in Orlando. I was like, yeah, good luck with that one, buddy. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. Every Star Wars nerd in a four-hour radius will be down there. Yeah, especially in Orlando with the, oh, where there's a literally Harry Potter-themed like, theme park. Um, exactly. Tra- uh, ex- like, exactly. Segment. Exactly. <laughs> um, let's talk about Bobby Brown, Ben. Downtown Bobby Brown, it's man. It's our prerogative to talk it's, about Bobby Brown. We're going to. So apparently... Bobby was removed from a Boston-bound airplane Monday morning <laughs> after he allegedly got into an altercation before takeoff, prompting police to respond. TMZ reported the singer was sitting in the first-class section of a JetBlue really flight. <laughs> JetBlue supposed incident occurred. Um, some people are saying the airline rushed to judgment, or whatever. Uh, passengers around Brown say he weren't disruptive and didn't really interfere with the flight crew. Although he did admit to drinking before boarding, he was not being difficult and didn't make a fuss. And told after he was told he couldn't have a drink. Mm. Now, come on, we know that, and you know, having, having worked in the bar business before, you know, it's illegal to serve a drunk person alcohol, regardless if you're on an airplane or in a yeah. bar or a restaurant. Or if you can determine that they're intoxicated, it is illegal, punishable by law for you to serve them alcohol. And so. Who knows? And that's always at the um, discretion of whoever's serving the drink yeah. as well. Uh, the rep for JetBlue said he was removed from the aircraft prior to departure after crew members observed indications of intoxication, just like I said. Said the decision to remove the customer from a flight is not taken lightly. This instance, he was offered a seat on a later flight. He declined and was issued a refund. Um, but, I mean, they just didn't get him off the plane. They had to get all the passengers off the plane. <laughs> and um, Except for Bobby. They wouldn't let him off until the cops got there. Bobby Brown is, he's he likes to stay in the public eye. <laughs> oh, Bobby. Well, he's he's not really doing any music anymore, so yes. I guess that's a way for him to stay in the. So uh, why not? Um, <laughs> yeah, why not? Why not get into trouble? Um, what else we're we gonna talk about? Star Wars rumors. Star Wars rumors. So here's the rumor, Ben. There was um like an offshoot of Dragon Con and Comic Con held mm-hmm. in Phoenix two weekends ago. And right before the panel was supposed to start, Disney calls and threatened legal action and made them shut the whole panel down. Any guesses why? I know you already know because I've already told yeah, you. Yeah, so I know why. But, <laughs> Let's do okay, it. so the panel was supposed to, it was featured the headline, um, Ian McDermott, who mm-hmm. played Emperor Palpatine, Palpatine in the whole 
in the whole all of them. Yeah, all of them. <laughs> but also scheduled to appear beside of Ian McDermott was Hayden Christensen, who played Anakin Skywalker yeah. in the prequel trilogy. And of course, afterwards they replaced um, the Force Ghost of Anakin Skywalker with, with Hayden, Hayden Christensen after yep. they remastered the movies. This isn't the first time they've been seen together, Ben. Mm-hmm. Leaving people to like go crazy and speculate that Hayden Christensen might have a role in this movie. Yeah. Um, you know, with all these other rumors. But they're, they're doing a really good job of building the hype for this before uh, December gets here. And I think they should after the last bomb they dropped. Uh-huh. Okay, let me take that back. I didn't think The Last Jedi was a bad movie. Yeah. I thought parts of it were horrible. As a whole, I enjoyed the storyline. Yeah. Um, But, so I wonder, speculatively here, I'm just going to say, if Hayden Christensen is in the movie, I think it'll be great. I think it'll be really good. Yeah. Now, what well, it is ro- the I mean, rise of, course, of Skywalker? So, Yeah. Yeah, but he can't be alive. We know he's dead. So the only way they could bring him well, in... Well, that doesn't mean he doesn't show up as a Force ghost. They could bring him as a Force ghost, or they could have him play a part in like a vision, like one or of those flashback, Force yeah. flashbacks or whatever. It would be interesting to see how they did that. Hmm. Which would Maybe be cool. Maybe it's a, a scene of uh, uh, him and Palpatine uh, bringing... Uh, Maybe that's how bringing he turns. Ray into existence, or maybe that's how he. T- oh, I didn't think about that. Maybe Vader's around when when Palpatine starts that or process. Maybe the Force Ghost of Vader turns Kylo to the good, because that's who Kylo is pretty well worshiping. It's trying possible. to be like, hmm. Speculations are running wild. <laughs> yeah, I'm interested to see that. Um, yeah, so expect a big uh, Star Wars big Star Wars um, episode when it gets closer to time. Watch it be nothing. We're going to know, yeah. Watch it not be It'll in the be movie. It'll be a total rumor. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, one more thing in entertainment news before we move on. Mayans season two. Have you ever watched Mayans? I've not watched Mayans. I watched um, Sons of Anarchy, but I haven't watched Mayans. All right, so for those of you that don't really know what Mayans, I'm, I'm sure there are some of you that do, some of you don't. Mayans is a sequel to the Sons of Anarchy series that uh, displayed on, or were, was, it played on FX, not displayed on FX. It played on FX for seven seasons. Mm-hmm. And um, it followed the Sons of Anarchy Motorcycle Club outside of Stockton, California. Um, what was the name of the town? Charming, California. Mm-hmm. And all their illegal exploits, yada, yada, yada. Seven seasons. Good show. I didn't think it ended the best. But now Mayans follows the rival motorcycle club, the Mayans, which is a Hispanic motorcycle club. And it is set four to five years after the end of Sons of Anarchy. Okay. And so you see crossovers from some, not like, not some, not the really, really main characters, but some of the supporting characters from Sons of Anarchy. And it, yeah. it follows um, the prospect, his name's Ezekiel, they call him Easy, just got out of prison, joined the motorcycle club with his brothers. And so far, season one was great. I had it all DVR'd yeah. until we switched to direct or to dish from direct and I lost all that crap <laughs> but season two started last week and the first episode was very very it was very good um i already have it set to record the entire series so if you're looking for a good television series to watch nope um watch it it's mine it comes on uh, tuesday nights at 10 on fx 
and if you know everything with these subscription services now if you have a subscription to fx on demand you can watch it whenever yep but yeah 10 o'clock on uh tuesday nights on fx check it out you won't be disappointed um ben do you have anything else you want to add in the inter- while we're talking about entertainment stuff um i can't think of anything any other news i can't think of any other news that i've heard um there was one more i wanted to mention let me find it um this show you remember a couple weeks ago we talked or it's been about a month ago we talked about walking dead being fined by the fcc Mm, yeah now it's growing there's a show called young sheldon that Uh may get a (laughs) six-figure fcc fine over using that dang emergency (laughs) tone that's the prequel to big bang theory to use emergency, the the emergency system tone. They says it. They say it oversensitizes people to it. Like if they hear it, they won't take it um, as seriously. Well, you, go ahead. You think they'd learn though? Yeah. <laughs> like especially after Jimmy Kimmel and the Walking, and Walking Dead. Dead. That, dude, that's a big. That's a big uh, uh, trench to cross right there. But I mean, like on the opposite. <laughs> Uh, John Wesley passed away. That's what I wanted to mention. I don't know if you remember John Wesley. Uh, he was 72. He played Dr. Hoover on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And he was Mr. Jim uh, on the Martin yeah, Show. Yeah. Yeah, he was 72. He died at the Cedar sinai Hospital in Los Angeles. Uh, they said he had a lengthy battle with multiple myeloma. Mm. Um, yeah. Pretty sad day. I remember his character very well. Had a Bachelor of Arts from the University of uh, San Diego. He did a. He was an um, Army vet in Vietnam. He did a his first accredited role was playing a police officer on My Three Sons. Lynn probably remembers that show. That was probably back in his day. What? <laughs> My Three Sons. I never watched that. that, that I was, was, was saying probably time. before Lynn's time. My three, I remember I from Nick at Night. I, I couldn't not make an old was that, joke. That was Fred McMurray. I think was that that's who the show that was. Yeah, I mean he played. He was on in the heat of the night. Mm. Um, the show or the movie? Uh, the show. Okay. Yep. And he played um, Sweets Walker that was on the Dirty Dancing series. I never watched that anyway. <laughs> but anyways, uh, he was on Stop My Mama Shoot, Benson. He was on the Jeffersons a lot. Uh, Medium, he was on NCIS a lot. But anyways, yeah, so he... A journeyman, a journeyman television actor. Yeah, he was. So rest in peace, John Wesley. All right, Ben, let's jump into our question of the week before we take a break All right. and knock it off with our top five. So here's the question of the week. I like dropping these on you because I actually have to make you think. Mm-hmm. Can't use your tablet or whatever. So, ten years after you're dead, what author would you have alive or dead to write the story of your life? To write the and story why? of my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> this is so funny to watch. Watch your face. Totally blank up on me there. Which author? Author. Who's gonna write your um your story, Ben? <laughs> if I wanted to make my life seem more epic than it actually was, yeah. James Mishner would be a pretty good one. Hmm. Um, then he'd have to go into the story of how like the the lakes and like any water nearby Homerville was formed way back and then then, yeah. then the next chapter would be a b- from the perspective of a bird or something <laughs> <Yeah>. the, um, <laughs> um, uh, I th- I'm a big fan of I like humorous like like humorous writing uh-huh. um, 
not straight up comedy, but like, so I'm a big, there's a writer by the name of Christopher Buckley that I'm a big fan of. He wrote, thank you for smoking. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wrote a book called Boom's Day That's really good. Um, that'd be, he'd be fun. He'd be a fun one to, uh, him or, um, Nick Hornby, the guy who wrote, uh, high fidelity and, uh, and about a, uh, about a boy. Mm-hmm. Um, both of them. I like, I like their writing good if i had to pick just because i want my life story to be epic and more exaggeratedly cool than it already is i'm gonna go with token all day long you want jr token (laughs) i want to be a mystical goblin king (laughs) ruling over the nine kingdoms who create a new language for you to speak exactly blakish it's got a ring to it it's got a ring to it and then one day it's got a ring to it a one ring yeah that's um, a, what? what and then that way in 30 years 40 years they're Yale and Harvard and all them would be you could actually learn how to speak Blakeish did you know that Elvish is a taught language at some universities now there's some universities that teach there's, Klingons there are there are people that actually speak Elvish yep oh my gosh Klingon. I had a friend who uh uh, he's in the military. I'll drop it. It's, it's Mike Hammond. Uh, oh. He uh, he um, had an opportunity to take a class to learn a second language, and he took classes to learn how to speak the Queen's English. So he's technically bilingual. He can speak English <laughs> and the Queen's English. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I speak gibberish pretty well. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to throw in here? Uh, no, no, I'm good. Maybe we should get Lynn to sit here and watch us do this all the time because we just pretty well have blown through this and not <laughs> <laughs> we hadn't like went off the rails at all. Um, so we're going to take a quick break here from one of our sponsors. Before we do, I need to mention again, um, Anchor.fm your go-to source for all things podcast-related. Go to anchor.fm or download their app off the Apple uh, the Apple iTunes, what's it called? The App Store. <laughs> they, they confused me when they separated the App Store from iTunes. There's mm-hmm. two separate. The App Store or the Google Play Store, you can download them. They have a nifty little um, engine in there you can record your own podcast on or you can record it and upload it and they'll host it for you. They also pay you to advertise, Ben, which is why we're mentioning their advertisement for a second time what, this what? podcast yeah so go they check pay them out. us every time we do oh, they pay us every time somebody <laughs> listens to us do it yeah and so now we're going to hear um an ad from acme and we'll be right back with special guest lynn robbins to discuss our top five sports movies hey, see, see you in just a few Today's podcast is brought to you by the fine folks at Acme Pharmacy. Acme Pharmacy is located at 18 East Dame Avenue in Homerville. And they are your one-stop shop for all your pharmaceutical and healthcare product related needs. Bill Murray, the owner, and his staff are always waiting with a smiling face and a warm welcome to make you feel like part of the family. They're open daily from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. on Saturdays from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. and are closed on Sunday. That's Acme Pharmacy at 18 East Dame Avenue in Homerville. You can give them a call at 912-487-5327. Welcome back to Ben and Blake's Excellent Adventure Podcast. It is now time for what I'm sure everybody's been waiting for. And really, when I say everybody, I just mean me because I want to know what (laughs) Ben Murray has picked for his sports movies. Like on any other given day, I could about tell you two or three things that you're going to have on your list. This one, I'm just, I'm, I'm, (laughs) so we're going to let our special guest, I forgot to mention, we're joined here uh, by owner and publisher of AR Publications and all these cool newspapers that, you know, 
that I get to work for every day. I'm trying to think of something really good to say because the man signs my paycheck <laughs> sitting right off of my right shoulder. standing right behind you. The coolest sports radio guy in Clinch <laughs> County right now. And that in puts you above Eric, Wayne, and Jim, by the way. <laughs> by the way. In celebration, by the way, this list is in celebration of uh, football season beginning. That's right. That's right. Last week, we talked about football kicking off, and we were like, this would be the perfect time to get Lynn back on, because, and then I had to pull up the list and find all the suggestions. So, Lynn, why don't you kick us off and tell us what your number five is? All right. Sports movies. The top five, right? Yep. Uh-huh. All right. Uh, uh, my number five is, a, <laughs> oddly enough, a movie – I mentioned the last time I was here when we did historical dramas, which is Eight Men Out, um, it's on my 1988 list <laughs> movie about the Chicago Black Sox scandal, um, directed by John Sayles, his independent mm-hmm. filmmaker. Uh, the thing that I like about this movie um, is that, in terms of the historical part, it's very accurate, and it's uh, the the costumes and the, everything is very accurate. But then. It's a retelling of what happened there. And it, there aren't any villains and there aren't any heroes, really. Yeah. It just tells the story and uh, has a great cast with John Cusack and Charlie Sheen and Christopher Lloyd and D.B. Sweeney and mm-hmm. Ben's boy, uh, Michael Rooker. Michael Rooker. And, uh, and it's, uh, it's oddly, and I th- we're going to see this in a little bit, there's a lot of baseball movies right in this time period that mm-hmm. were pretty good. And I think this was the best of them. I think that if it was released right now and had the right marketing, it would be nominated for Academy Award. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, because it was independent film and in the midst of some pretty good movies, I think it got lost. But yeah. uh, but my number five is Eight Men Out. There you go. Ben, jump in and let us hear what your number five is, buddy. My number five uh, is a little movie called Slapshot about, uh, about uh, ice hockey. Uh, George Roy Hill directed um, it stars Paul Newman is the only name star that I remember being in the movie <laughs> and it gave the world the Hanson Brothers who was the uh, the um, look at least inspiration for uh, uh, Garth Algar from the Wayne's World skits mm. um, but it's it's a it's a really interesting movie about Ice hockey is a is a sport that I find infinitely interesting. I don't, I don't watch it as much as I should, but I, it's one of the few sports out there outside of just straight up boxing or fighting of some sort that encourages violence. <laughs> and that's yeah, kind of what real. this movie is about: is that the this hockey team's um, attendance and all that is sagging, and they're looking at getting sold. Um, and so they like start upping the like goonmanship of uh, of their team, and and like it gets like just out of this world like um, crazy with the uh, with the fighting, um, and they do it in order to boost their ratings. People are more interested in them because of the violence. Yeah, and um, and it's just it's a funny movie, um, but it's a, it's also just a it's a good movie. Um, I think it was a little shocking at the time because it was pretty frank with its dialogue. But, uh, but now you know if you've seen just about any movie nowadays, you you have no problem taking this one in. Um, it's a good. I like Paul Newman anyway. I'm a fan, uh, and it's just a fun, fun movie. Uh, check it out. Uh, you won't. You will not regret watching it. I'll put it like that. 
Alrighty. My number five is a 1986 released basketball movie starring Gene Hackman. Hmm. It's Hoosiers. My dad used to watch this movie like it was the only movie that he had ever purchased in his life. Now, the movie is uh, it's based <laughs> off of, uh, am I saying right, Milan High School, Milan High School. They won like the 1954 state championship. But uh, anyways, it stars Gene Hackman, uh, Barbara Hershey's in it, Dennis Hopper's in it. Uh, Hackman plays coach Norman Dale, who was a failed college coach, if I'm not mistaken, and to kind of re-kick off his career, he comes back to this uh, small town in Indiana to coach this high school team. And basically the town's in an uproar because their star player has decided not to play basketball because he wants to focus on his studies. The mm-hmm. former coach has died. So Hackman just gets this whole laundry list of crap that he's got to overcome. Um, didn't... Um, Hopper played as assistant coach, or was Hopper the prince? Hopper was assistant coach. Then midway through the season, Hopper decides, or they decide he's not the assistant coach anymore, and Hagman brings his alcoholic father out of retirement, right? <laughs> then what happened? No, Hopper is the father of one of the players, Okay. and he's an alcoholic. Okay, that's right. quits drinking, he can that's right. Mm. That's right. That's all. I, mean, I knew there was alcohol at play in there somewhere. <laughs> so eventually, you know, halfway or halfway through the season, Jimmy Chitwood comes back to the team star player. They win the championship. Hooray, hurrah. It's a great movie. <laughs> it's a good feel-good basketball movie about, you know, it, like one of the original, like, underdog stories that has yeah. historical significance. Everybody likes to pull cuz I mean let's be let's let's just face it. White guys are not really good at basketball <laughs> anymore. And so this is a throwback to back in the day, you know, and it, it was a good movie. We know sports movies have a tendency to uh to vilify like people who were good at sports. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. But as long as as long as they're um, like the more well to do, as long as they're like Duke or somebody like that, they're going to be vilified like in the movies. No. But you know, that's, well, that's how it is. It is how it is. We want the we want the little guy to win. So that's so right. much little guy always got to win. Uh, that's my number five, Lynn. What do you have number four? And uh, Blake, the the thing that I think is interesting about the Hoosiers story, which was a true story, is back then, Indiana didn't have any classifications. So Milan was a school of like 60 kids they were playing. So it'd be like Eccles County winning the state championship over Marietta High School. And that was why it was significant. Um, Mine number four is uh, another uh, movie from 1988, another baseball movie and I'm going to tell you right now all of my five picks are all baseball movies from 1988. There's a lot of good ones. There really are. But it's Bull Durham Ah. which is a a movie written by and directed by Ron Shelton and it's it's a comedy film about um, Kevin Costner's character who's a a long time minor league player who is called down to Durham, North Carolina which is a class A a Braves affiliate actually to tutor mentor a young pitcher uh, played by Tim Robbins and they have a love triangle between uh, those two and Susan Sarandon uh, the thing that's great about this movie first of all it's just wonderfully written it's very funny the casting is dead solid perfect um, and it really created the careers of, of all three of those main cast members I mean before that mm. Susan Sarandon had done some movies but it, this really put her in a different Echelon in terms yeah. of actresses, same for Costner and Robbins, and even the the minor roles are perfectly cast, like Trey Wilson playing the manager and Robert Wool being the the pitching coach. Mm-hmm. It's it's just very well done. It's um, 
and it could be higher. Some people I saw were some sports movies that's ranked number one. Yeah. Um, but it's it's just a, a really fun movie and very well made. You know, Bull Durham reminds me of another movie. Uh, if you take out the love triangle, um, there was another movie uh, from earlier that's it's not on my list, but it's a good movie called uh, Bang the Drum Slowly uh, with Robert De Niro and Michael Moriarty, uh, where they had uh, this uh, pitcher that's sort of in the last leg of his career sort of have to keep an eye on this like, dim-witted catcher it's that's also a good movie that's not on my list i just wanted to throw that one unless it might be on one of y'all's lists. i don't know but um it's not on mine won't you go ahead and tell us what your number four is ben my number four um i wrestled with putting this one on here um not because i don't like the movie but i don't know it seems it's a sports movie but it doesn't seem to be um I know y'all are y'all are looking at me like we I feel like Julius Caesar before the stabs. Um, <laughs> uh, it's it's a very well known movie. It's Rocky. Rocky's my number mm. four. Um, I love boxing movies. I found this out about myself a couple of years ago, <laughs> where I was I was looking at all these. I was like, I like that movie. I like that movie. I was like, you know what? I think I just like movies about boxing. <laughs> it's an interesting sport. Um, the first Rocky movie is a different it's weird to think about the first one after you've seen all of them because Rocky becomes something completely different later on but Rocky even though it was made by a studio feels like an independent movie the first one does because what what you have to remember is that nobody knew who Sylvester Stallone was before he'd been in some stuff but like he was just an unknown guy Um, didn't he write the script for Rocky yeah Yeah. and, and you know, spoiler alert for those of you who hadn't seen Rocky, which is probably like nobody. Um, Rocky doesn't win the fight at the end of the movie, but he goes the distance, and that's what's important. He's he he plays a guy who is basically his career is basically should be done, and he didn't make it. But here comes Apollo Creed, wink wink, um, Muhammad Ali. <laughs> yeah, he comes to town. He says. Uh, uh, the guy he's supposed to fight can't fight. There's something happens. I can't remember what it was. He can't fight. I can't remember if he dies or if he just got hurt. I can't remember. Um, and he, he gives an open invitation to just anybody. It's the American dream right here on our... It was the... What was it? The Bicentennial? Yeah. Yeah. And um, so he gives just some some guy a chance at the title. And uh, they don't expect it to go anywhere, but they expect it, you know, you know, it to be good press for the champion. Um so they inadvertently pick Rocky because he likes the nickname the Italian Stallion that Rocky has. Yeah. He says it'll look good on a marquee, basically. Not expecting anything from yeah. him. Uh, and then Apollo Creed gets the fight of his life <laughs> from a guy who should, by all accounts, not have any accounting. Not even in the, the fight. same ring with him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's just a great testament of, like, of will uh, for the Rocky character. He's not, he's not smart enough to know that, like, any better <laughs> he's yeah. he's he's borderline mentally challenged in the first two movies <laughs> and he is really mentally challenged by the last movie after he gets a snot beat out of him every movie but uh but it's it's a wonderful movie if you like i said if you haven't seen rocky and i, I can't imagine that anybody listening hasn't seen rocky yeah. but if you haven't you, you gotta see that movie it's it really is a great movie um 
Um, and plus, Burgess Meredith is awesome. Burgess Meredith is great <laughs> as Mick. Yeah. And so, and Carl Weathers is great as a Apollo yeah. Creed. Um, it's just a great movie. First time we get to meet Paulie. Hey, Paulie. Yeah, and Paulie is frightening in the first Rocky movie. <laughs> yeah, alcoholic. So <laughs> later, it, the edge gets taken off because he has a robot butler. But yeah, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> and you know that that talks like a stripper or whatever. You know the cool thing about Rocky, he's single handedly responsible for ending the Cold War. I mean, <laughs> who else goes to Moscow and beats the Russian after he killed Apollo? You know, on that note, I actually watched. <laughs> you know, that, that's my that should have been on my guilty pleasure list. Because matter if it's three o'clock in the morning, if I'm cruising channels and I see Rocky Four, I'm watching it. <laughs> if the, I can change the whole. You can exactly, change. exactly. And actually, for the first time this weekend, I watched Creed, the first one. Yeah, and it was very good. Yeah. I did. I, I hadn't given it a chance, and of course, it follows Creed's unknown son, son that he didn't even know he had. I don't think Adonis Creed. Of course, Rocky <laughs> trains him. Of course, he loses the match at the end. Of, <laughs> I mean, those Rocky movies as he lost the match at the end and come back and win. Uh, but um, I, I'm gonna watch the second because then the second one featured um, Dolph Dr- and Dolph yeah, in the second one. Yeah, and, and it's Drago's son. Time. Yeah. Wow. Kill you for killing my dad. Anyways, my number four, and y'all know me, I got, I've got to have a movie on here with some comedic value. It's a baseball movie. I already get credit for that. I'm talking about um, 1989's Major League. Yeah. It's quite possibly one of my favorite movies ever. I love that movie. Um, directed by David Ward. It featured Tom Berenger, Charlie Sheen, before he um, drank Tiger's Blood. <laughs> turned to Warlock. Winning. Cor- yeah, winning. Corbin Burnson, uh, Margaret Witten, Dennis Haysbert. A whole laundry list of characters in there. So basically, what happens? Rachel Phelps inherits Cleveland Indians from her. Was it her husband? Her deceased husband. She hates him. Wants to move him to Miami. And there's some kind of um, cop out clause in the contract that says if attendance falls below a certain level, then she can move or sell the team or what have you. Mm. And so she tries to put together the worst team ever. She hires Lou Brown, uh, played by James Gammon, to be the manager. And he, he was with the, was the Toledo Mud Hens, I think was the name of the team. <laughs> Is that before he went to the Cleveland Indians? And, um, and then they pieced together a team who included um, Charlie Sheen's Rick Vaughn, who wow, played in, in the Cal- <laughs> like what? Yeah, what league was that? The California Penal League. <laughs> played in prison. They had a, a Wesley Snipes play Willie Mays. Hey, he wasn't even on their list. He just shows up at the camp, and they towed him out <laughs> and set him outside the fence. And then he races. He wins the race in his pajamas, and they hire him. Uh, Corbin Burnson played Roger Dorn, the only like professional they had. They had um, well Tom Berenger when he he yeah, was Jake. He played Jake. He was the catcher. I forgot about Tom Berenger. He was Jake Taylor, the catcher with the bad knees. Former player turned drunk. He played in Mexican <laughs> League after his knees give out on him. Uh, and then they had um, what was his name? Serrano, Pedro Serrano, the guy that strikes out and pops up the whole season and then hits a home run in the last game when it counts because <laughs> he finally told Joe Boo to. To go jump off a cliff. <laughs> Anyways, it's a great movie. It's a very raunchy movie, so don't allow your children to watch it <laughs> at all. Don't do like I do and let Jonah watch it. And, and then he, yeah. It's I love great. the coach in that movie. Like he, yeah. he's real laconic, and I I enjoy his performance a great deal. <laughs> Give him the hater. And then they find out that Rick Vaughn's hitting everything but the strike zone because he's blind and can't see. <laughs> they put him on glasses, and then he he um. They, they bring him in to face uh, the number one hitter from the Yankees at the end of the movie, and he throws him three fastballs, and like the last one was like 101 miles an hour. Delicious and fun, and you don't have to be a big 
you know, sports fan to enjoy it because it's just one of those things. And this is what I love about sports is you never know when you go to a game. It, you know, it could be a blowout or it could just be something crazy. Yeah. And this is what one of those crazy, crazy games. I'm with you. I, I, and sports documentaries are special. I don't know what – I got addicted to watching those 30 for 30 documentaries that came on ESPN. And I, anytime I see one, I'll, I will stop what I'm doing to watch it, even if I have no interest in that particular story. Because uh, I'll, I'll find myself liking it probably. <laughs> Uh, ben, what do you got at number three, dude? My number three is bringing baseball into the mix for my list. Uh, it's a, I don't remember what year. It was in the early 80s. Um, Barry Levinson's the director, and it's The Natural uh, with Robert Redford. Um, I'd always read about this movie, but I didn't see it until way later. Uh, I'd seen The Simpsons reference of it before I'd seen the actual movie. Um, but it's, it's almost like it's... It's a mythical movie. This movie um, about this this amazing uh, batter uh, that just sort of shows up out of nowhere and and is the best the best home run hitter like of all time. <laughs> um, there's something. It feels a lot like if you've ever read the the it's. I mean, if you've ever read the poem like the Casey at bat, it has. It reminds me of that a lot. Um, and the, the, it's this just great myth-making story. He's got a bat that's carved out of a tree that was struck by lightning, and that supposedly gives is, is what where the, the mystical power for, powers. Yeah, um, there's the great scene where he hits the home run at Wrigley Field, and it, it hits the lights and blows the lights out of Wrigley Field while he's running around the bases. It, it's it really is an incredible movie. Um, that I, I joke all the time about. Um, uh, about baseball being America's national pastime, but it not really being football is, and that while that may be true, baseball kind of truly does. Em- I think embody at least America America's past better than any sport out there. It, it, the teamwork, the um, I don't know. There's just something about it that that just feels American. <laughs> um, and I love that movie. I love this movie a lot. It's it's a fun movie. Notoriously, the movie ends the complete opposite of the way the book that it's based on does. Uh, I don't want to spoil it if you hadn't seen the movie. Uh, if you have seen the movie, then you can kind of guess what changed <laughs> between the book and the movie. Um, but it's it's an incredible, incredible movie. I, I'm like with Paul Newman. I'm a big Robert Redford fan mostly. Um, and, and I think that's a, that's a really good one. Although at the time they felt like he was too old for that role, and maybe he was, but he pulls it off pretty good. <laughs> that's it. All right, number three. I'm going going to um, <clears throat> I'm going to switch gears here. Literally, you like my segue. There's a thunder. <laughs> what? <laughs> How did you know it? Because <laughs> I said shift gears. You <laughs> yeah. called the segue. Talking about 1990s uh, NASCAR movie. Don't hate the player. Like the movie. I don't really care about NASCAR. I don't know that I've ever fully watched an entire race. I'm the kind of guy that like I watch the first 10 laps and then turn it and then watch the last 10 laps. <laughs> but now they've kind of changed it. I don't. Anyways, I don't think it's like. I think they have sections or something stupid. Anyway, 
1990 Days of Thunder stars Tom Cruise, uh, Nicole Kidman, Robert Duvall's in it. Your boy Michael Rooker, he should have body slammed that night. You tried to pick him up. <laughs> I don't Hales think I could have body slammed him. I He's a big he dude. Um, guys, I'm, I'm drawing a blank right now. He played he played a Dale Doback in Step Brothers, opposite of Will Ferrell. What's his name? Uh, John O'Reilly. There you go, John C. Yeah. Riley. Yes, he is. He played. He's on. He's on Cole's crew. Uh, he's he's way. Yeah, he huh. plays. He's on. Uh, <laughs> hey, yeah, he's to be inducted into the NASCAR. He's one of the head guys on Cole John Trickles. Yeah, he's he's one of the um he's one of the crew members on Cole's uh, crew, and his daddy was a uh, buddy. He play, his daddy played a racer that died. That Cole took his place or whatever, and so it's about. Uh, Cole Trickle played by Tom Cruise who's this little no-name dirt track racer who they bring up to NASCAR to replace John C. Riley's dead father. Robert Duvall is the crew chief. Um, it's like a learning curve because Cole's used to doing things his way and don't really want mm. to adapt to the scene. His rival is Rowdy Roddy Burns played by <laughs> Michael Rooker who is a dirty, dirty racer. He's like putting everybody in the wall and if they did any of that in NASCAR they would be taken out of the race. Like here comes Cole I'm going to put him in the wall and just slams him in the wall and they're supposedly going 200 miles an hour and anyway it's like a demolition derby out there. <clears throat> and so then they get in this big wreck they both get taken out of the wreck. They're both airlifted out. Um, Cole ends up being fine. Rowdy has a brain bleed. So they replace Rowdy with Carrie L's character, Russ Wheeler. Mm-hmm. Turns out to be a major... Um, I forget how many people were in this yeah. movie. <laughs> he turns out to be a major D-bag, if you know what I'm saying. I don't want to uh-huh. say the word. But... And so, like, they start favoring him over Cole. Of course, when Cole comes back, he starts losing races because he's terrified of, like, dying or whatever. <clears throat> and so... His last or his next to last race after after um Russ Wheeler wrecks him, he goes back into the pit and tells him to change his tires. And John Riley's character goes, But the race is over, Cole. He says, Change my tires. Then he peels out of pit row and smashes Russ Wheeler's car into the wall after the race is over with. Gets suspended. And then they Rowdy goes to have brain surgery and he gives Cole this long, heartfelt plea about I've got all this stuff that I haven't paid for and I need you to race my car and win Daytona and basically we'll split the money whatever so he talks Robert Duvall into you know fixing the car up or what have you and being the crew chief and we all know how the story ends he takes the first half of the race or first three quarters of the race and he sucks it up because he's last place and then there's another wreck and he drives through the wreck and then all of a sudden he's he's cured uh of his uh, Tom Cruise you remember on Talladega and I said Tom Cruise use your black magic power and put invisible fire out on my friend <laughs> well Tom Cruise uses his invisible black magic power and cures himself because he's not afraid to race anymore and he wins <laughs> Daytona boom Gamer doesn't really tell you what happens after the race if he becomes a successful racer but we know he overcome his fear of dying he wins Daytona and he gets Nicole Kidman who was his daughter who I think he was already married to anyways <laughs> and um, yeah it's a good movie I enjoy it I watch it it's another one of those I watch every time it comes every on. Every time it comes on. Yeah, it's a uh, – yep. It was Burt Comer Productions produced it, so it was a pretty good movie. And this, you know, and this was when NASCAR was, like, really good. They had the Winston Cup. They were actually sponsored by cigarette companies. Don't even <laughs> do that anymore. Now it's like the True Value Cup or <laughs> the Walmart Rollback Cup or anyway. <laughs> so, anyways, yeah, that's my number. We're on three? Yeah. Yeah, three. Uh, Lynn, why don't you tell us what you got for number two? Well, my number two has already been mentioned by Ben, which is Rocky. 
ah. um, which is just a, a masterpiece in a, a number of different ways. Now, I was torn because there are parts of Rocky Two and Rocky Three which I think are worth noting. Yep. So I'm going to sort of cheat and I'm going to talk about <laughs> Rocky Two and Rocky Three a little bit. Which Rocky, I think, on itself is perfect and mm. it's sort of based on. I think it was Muhammad Ali faced a guy named Chuck Weltner, yep. and uh, it's sort of based on that. And Stallone wrote the script, but in Rocky Two, um, Burgess Meredith. Every scene he's in, he just blows everybody out of the water. Yeah. He's hilarious yeah. in it. And you got to catch this chicken, yeah, right? chicken. That's what we used to do in the old days. Chicken kitchen or whatever. <laughs> Everything he says is hilarious to me. Then there's the scene where Rocky runs through uh, uh, Philadelphia onto mm. the thing, and all the people follow him. That's a great scene. Yep. The boxing's great. Now, the rest of the movie is not as good because yep. all it is is Adrian and Rocky both pouting yeah. <laughs> Adrian I mean we spent 45 minutes watching him pout because she didn't want to see him box like yeah. he's going to become a lawyer or something he's not <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know what she's thinking uh, so, you run. <laughs> and then Rocky 3 of course Mr. T is, is fabulous and, and then you got he's you got, awesome as Clover you got, Lang you got the thing with Hulk Hogan in there you got yeah. now Rocky 3 is just really entertaining I, it, I don't think any of the other movies have mm. the heart that Rocky 2 and Rocky 1 have mm-hmm. but it's still fun to watch and, and it's a great sports movie um, and you know you always pull for the underdog and I mean in Rocky in the original Rocky I mean at the end I mean I get chills you yeah. know at the end of it and um, so yeah I think it's one of the best and I want to talk after we get done about how in looking over these lists and I think we'll look at our list and see for some reason certain sports seem to do uh, end up being better movies mm-hmm. uh, I mean boxing and baseball seem yeah. to dominate the really good movies you yeah. don't see that many good basketball movies you don't see that many good football movies well, uh, but heck, there may not be any good tennis movies but I mean boxing heck you could do a top five boxing movies that would be really really strong yeah. but anyway we'll talk about that later you know, speaking on uh, you talking about Burgess Meredith when he's talking about Kitchen Chicken one of my favorite lines from the Creed movie is when he takes him out there and he's like training him he's chasing, chasing the chickens around and he goes hey, I guess chickens have gotten slower since back in the day <laughs> <laughs> and I'm laughing my butt off and Jonah's like what's so funny about that I was like you'll understand one day one of my go. favorite parts of Rocky too though is you know Rocky and Mick getting a fight because <clears throat> Mick's angry at Rocky because um, Adrian's pregnant and yeah. like, and his his focus just isn't on training, and he's like, "You're gonna get killed in this ring, kid, if you don't start, you know." Yeah. But like, I love the scene when when Adrian gets goes into the coma basically at the end of the movie, and um, <laughs> and Mick they they sort of have it out, and Mick was like, you know, I'll I'll be with you till you're ready, and ever from that point on until like they start training again for the fight, Mick is is there with Rocky, just not saying anything, but he's there yeah. like in support. And like, and then when Adrian gives him the okay to go win, <laughs> it's great. It's one of my favorite Rocky thing is like um, when we were in high school. Remember Lipton had the brisk iced tea commercial <laughs> and they had the claymation Rocky on there. And Nothing's like, over, oh, man. I just need something to drink. Some brisk iced tea. <laughs> and then then Mickey goes, save some of that one for the sequel, Rock. <laughs> That's great. Burgess Meredith is a national yeah. treasure. <laughs> he was. <laughs> 
<laughs> he's always and good. He wasn't a lot of them though. I mean, he played Mick. He was the the ornery old. Well, there was a minute on the grumpy old man. Yeah. There was a, he was so funny on Grumpy Old Man. There was man. a minute in the seventies where he was in like him and Elliot Gould were like every yeah. other movie that came out. But um, plus he was in the that the one of the most famous Twilight Zone episodes of all time where he. Uh, he has all the time in the world to read, and then he his glasses fall off and break, and he can't. Yeah. You know, after the okay. Anyway, I love the Twilight Zone. <laughs> what um, do you got number two there, boss? My number two is one that Lynn has already mentioned, hmm. and that's Eight Men Out. Um, I love that movie, and I'd forgotten about. I was actually when when we did the period movies the last time Lynn was here, I was really mad because he had several on his list that really should have been on my list, and I just didn't think. In particular, Zodiac and the right stuff. I was like, oh, God, why didn't I think of those two? But uh, but Eight Men Out, I also really, really like. Uh, there's something about John Cusack that I find likable. Like, just likable. I'll, I'll watch any movie with John Cusack in it, even if I hate the movie when it's over. Uh, but that doesn't happen that often. Um He's good, and, and also I'm a big John Sayles fan. He's done a bunch of movies that I really like, but Eight Men Out may actually be my favorite movie that he ever did, and and it's a wonderful, it's a great story, the story of the Chicago Black Sox and and how they threw the World Series, and um and it was as it changed baseball forever. That's when all the they had to start regulating and commissioning baseball so heavily um, was because of this scandal, and. Um, it started a quote unquote curse for the Chicago White Sox for years and years that, that didn't lift until um, not that long ago. Um, but it's just, it really is just a great story. Um, I love the end of the movie. I love, I love John Cusack's character because it's the idea is that like he, he wasn't involved, but he still got punished. Uh, with the rest of the team. Like he didn't take, he didn't take money, but yet, they were all banned from baseball basically after that and and the the real tragedy of that was that the they were in the world series for a reason they were a super good team in fact db sweeney's character shoeless joe jackson is arguably to this day one of the greatest baseball players that ever played the game and and he'll never get the credit he deserves because of that scandal um and it's just it's just a really interesting story which also plays in the Field of Dreams a little bit, uh, the Chicago Black Sox story. Yep. yep. It's another good movie. It is a good movie. Is another it? Kevin Costner movie, another too. Another Kevin Costner movie. <laughs> he, he plays a lot of good... He's in a lot of good sports movies, Kevin Costner. <laughs> that guy. Yeah, he's in a lot of good movies, period. Yep. Uh, my number two is a more recent movie, and I'm actually going to the realm of football with this one. It's a 2006 Disney movie. I'm talking about Invincible with Mark Wahlberg in mm. it. Uh, I like this movie for several reasons. Number one, I thought the storytelling, the job Disney done uh, retelling the story of Vince Papale was was good. Now, for those of you who don't know, Vince Papale, played by Wahlberg, uh, was he was I don't remember if he was thirty or if he was in his thirties, but um, it was right when Dick Vermeil was named head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, and they had been tanking. Am I right? Before that, yeah, like totally sucked. And so they hired Vermeil to come in and try to turn the program around, and they actually had open trials like come be a, be a Philadelphia Eagle. Uh, Papali was, like I said, 30 years old. He tried out, and he actually got selected for the team, making him the um, oldest 
the oldest rookie to ever play in the NFL that didn't play in college. 30 years old, with the exception of the kickers on the team. Uh, the movie follows his story as he gets accepted on the team, as he struggles to learn the ins and outs of the team because he's a lot smaller guy than your normal NFL caliber team. Of course, until the final moment where they're playing the Giants and he has his breakout game, if you will, on kickoff, and then he blocks the punt at the end, returns it for a touchdown or whatever. Papali actually uh, played for the Eagles from uh, 76 to 78, two years, and um, I mean, it's, it's a true story. Uh, the screenplay was written by Brad Gann. It had a $30 million budget. I had Mark Wahlberg, Elizabeth Banks, Greg Kinnear played Dick Vermeil. Uh, and then they had other play, you know, that played Papali's family or whatever that support him because he run a local bar, helped run a local bar, and and it also dealt with his personal struggles too. Like his wife walked out and left him, told him he'd never be anything, he'd never amount to anything. That was kind of the driving force behind him going out for the team and you know and sticking it out and really fighting for his spot. Even when people told him you're too small, you don't want to do it. It's a really good underdog story, you know of why you should always chase your dream. You shouldn't let other people's opinion of you bother you or you know what have you. It's a really good movie. Um. I mean, I don't really. There's no. I don't really know anything else to say about it. You can yeah. just go check it out. Mark Wahlberg has some really good movies, and he plays some really good characters, minus his roles in the Transformer movies. Um, but uh, and the happening, yeah, that too. Yeah, he played a played a great cop in the other guys. But that's for another podcast. But anyways, yeah, that's my number two. Now let's get to the meat. And Lynn, you can tell us what your number one is. Uh, my number one is um, uh, it's a boxing movie. Uh, it's called When We Were Kings. Mm. Uh, it came out in 1996, and it is a documentary. It was released in movie theaters, and it won an Academy Award for Best Documentary that year. And it's about the 1974 rumble in the jungle between Muhammad Ali and George Foreman. Foreman. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, and y'all are younger than me, but I'm actually too old to remember or too young to remember when Muhammad Ali was really a big deal 74 was before my time I knew Muhammad Ali later on when he was getting you know he was past his prime Mm -hmm. got beat by Leon Spinks Mm -hmm. um but when he was in his prime, he was the most, not just the most popular athlete in the world. Yeah. He was the most popular human being in the world. Yeah. And I really didn't understand that. And I don't think people will until they watch this movie. Because the documentary follows him as he goes down there. And they, they have a delay. And it's a music festival as well. It's in Zaire, which mm-hmm. is the now the Democratic Republic of Congo. Yep. But... The stuff with Muhammad Ali, and this was, he was sort of making a comeback because he had been out of boxing for a while due to uh, not being able to box because they suspended him because he wouldn't go to Vietnam mm-hmm. or be drafted. And he is so charismatic and so mesmerizing and so funny and so complicated. I mean, he's just, you, you can't get your eyes off of him and you totally understand why this guy was it at that time period um the other thing that's so great about this documentary is that the the people who are commenting on it are uh are just great storytellers Um, norman mailer who's a famous author um and george plimpton who is a a a writer sports writer Mm -hmm. and they just tell great stories about this time period and one of the things that's sort of interesting about it and i'm not going to give away too much but um is you know you've heard the the uh, 
the quote by Mike Tyson, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. <laughs> this is the epitome of that because Ali has this plan to go against George Foreman, who is this very young, strong boxer. And in the first round, Foreman hits him and he goes, oh, my gosh, yeah. <laughs> i got to change my plan. So you see him in the corner and nobody's talking to him. It's not like in these boxing matches where they have a guy you know, doing all stuff. He's just standing there by himself. And you can see in his eyes, they sort of zero in, that – there's a whole lot going on there. He's coming up with a brand new plan right there. And his brand new plan was the rope-a-dope, mm-hmm. which was he just let Foreman beat him for himself s- out. seven yeah. rounds. So he got tired, and then Ali went to work. But um, this movie is right now. It's on uh, HBO, if you have HBO now. Uh, but it is, uh, it's just a great, entertaining, uh, well-made uh, movie. The, the Ali Foreman fight is a great example of like strategy of, yeah, a, yeah. of a man being a, a you can you can say whatever you want to about Muhammad Ali I know a lot of people sometimes feel he was he was like all sizzle you know mm-hmm. it was that was part of it was more the presentation than the yeah. than they but the man it's like you said he had to change plans he was smart enough to be able to change plans and and be able to to have that make that plan work uh foreman hits it and it like usually it's supposed to go back into shape but it wouldn't the bag wouldn't go back into shape because he hit it so far he's so powerful yeah yeah all right his mama call him clay i call him clay but i called him muhammad ali that's (laughs) (laughs) that's great Uh, what you got number one my number one is a football movie um foosball and it's from uh, 1979 i believe was the year it came out uh, starring Nick Nolte, and it's North Dallas Forty. Oh. Um, North Dallas Forty is such a good movie. <laughs> I love it. Um, it's it's about the Wild West days of the NFL and sort of the turning of the like the changing of the tide when when football was starting to get corporatized. Uh, it's loosely based on the the Dallas Cowboys of the early seventies, um, and and it's just a great uh, movie. To show, um, kind of how messed up the the world of pro football really is. Um, you know, these guys we don't we don't think about it as much because we there's a there's a magic to sports that that we 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 try to put in, in the background like some of the the less salient things about professional sports. Uh, one of those being what you have to remember is that in football you've got guys bashing each other for like a couple of hours a night yeah. every week for a while and and the toll that that takes on the human body um, over a long period of time a pro football player does not have a long shelf life especially if he's been playing football since he was in you know grade school you know that means that every, every night for several weeks a year he's been just putting his body through the ringer and you sort of see um that in this movie uh but one of the things that the thing that makes it that sends it home for me is that at the end of the movie nick nolte's character basically uh gets fired from the football team for i think it was over drugs if i remember correctly it was over marijuana or something and um and he sort of takes a bullet for like some other members of the team the, the quarterback predominantly and um at the end of the movie he's in there with the like the corporate the people who own the football team now and they're like and they're basically getting on to him and they're like you're not a you're not a part of the team you're not being a part of the team and he's like the team he's like we're 
we're not the team talking about the football players he says we're not the team you guys are the team we're the equipment <laughs> and he basically walks out of the room yeah. and I, I just thought that was some of the that was one of the best lines ever written in a sports movie about anything because it, it sometimes it feels especially now it's only gotten worse since then really uh but it feels like that you know you, you know they're they're replaceable you know there's another star is going to come around and take their place you know um the, the the people with the pins and the wallets are really the team and they're just equipment that can be used up and thrown away uh but it's, it's a super super good movie um it's it's another one you don't want to you probably don't want to let your kids see <laughs> there's a lot of debaucherous things happening in that movie but it's a, it's a really good one and i like it a lot um my number one is of course a basketball movie <laughs> and uh it's it was released in 91 uh, this is one that space another, huh no dude <laughs> No, I'm kidding, not space jam. Not <laughs> but space the monsters. Yeah, but no. Uh, it's another one of those that my dad watches all the time. He still watches it today. And it's a, more of a documentary film. I'm talking about The Pistol, Birth of a Legend. Mm, mm-hmm. um, centering around the life of Pistol Pete Maravich. Now, if you read the bio on the on the movie itself, it talks about Pete growing up in a small South Carolina like in the late 50s. And his father, whose name was Press, encourages him, and this is what the the thing says to pursue a career in basketball despite his small stature now you know when when pete was playing in the league he was built out at like six five yes i mean that's i mean that's a pretty tall in my book i mean i don't i'm not small stature and i'm only like six foot but i mean i'm also a hefty guy he might have been like skinny or whatever but uh it it follows the story of pete you know from a young kid and his um what I like about it is it really showcases his dedication to the game and the skill behind the game and the dedication it takes to develop that skill to becoming a better player or what have you. shows all the drills he would run outside of practice on his own, him dribbling two basketballs, spinning two basketballs on his finger. The guy was uncanny for making blind passes and knowing people were open and you didn't even think he was looking at them. And I think in the movie it even shows him make a pass and bust the guy's nose because the guy wasn't expecting him to pass the ball. Um <laughs> Team coach Vern Pendleton, played by Morel Boots Garland, uh, he he lets Pete play varsity, uh, and the kind of I don't know if you call him the villain or whatever, but it's the coach's son, played by Buddy Petrie, is kind of like Pete's um, what I don't antagonist I guess if you were to the movie, uh, but it you know Pete keeps playing now if you don't know about Pistol Pete. Um, he was born in 47. He was 6'5". He played uh, – his playing career was from 70 to 80. He was a, a guard for LSU. He mm-hmm. was a shooting guard for the Hawks, a shooting guard for the Jazz, the Utah Jazz, and the New Orleans Jazz. And he uh, passed away in 88. I don't remember what he passed away from, do you? Um, heart attack while he's playing basketball. Dedicated to the game. Eat, sleep, <laughs> breathe, and even died the game. Uh, and so, I mean, it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's not one of those, like, really exciting sports movies that'll, like, play on your emotion and all, but it's, like, it's the documentary aspect is what I like about it. Yeah. And um, I've made Jonah watch it before, you know, just because it, it showed what it takes to become one of the greatest. And Pistol Pete was one of those. I mean, his yeah. ball handling abilities are second to none. I, I still don't think there's ever been anybody that could handle with Pete. Um, Allen Iverson was really good in his prime with his crossover stuff, but even he didn't hold a candle to Pistol Pete. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was that was my my number one. I did have an honorable mention I wanted to throw in there, and I kicked it around. Um, it was a movie that came out in 
2009. Uh, it had the guy that played Bane in the last Batman Tom movie. Tom Hardy? Yeah. It was a movie called Warrior, and it was about... Yeah, that's uh, a good movie. It was about... Yeah, it was about um, cage fighting, and it was about Tom Hardy and his brother who were separated when they were young because mm-hmm. of Nick Nolte. Nick Nolte yeah, he played the yeah. drunk dad. They separated. One brother went with Nick, Tom Hardy, and the other one stayed with his mom. And this is like after, you know, their life or whatever. Tom Hardy went to the Marines, and he like... Um, what's the word when you leave... AWOL. Yeah, he went AWOL after seeing some people in, like after his friend died or whatever. So they enter in this this cage fighting tournament to try to win all this money. Tom Hardy's trying to win the money to give it to his friend's wife. His brother's trying to win the money to not struggle financially. Yeah. And it's just, just, just a really good family. Um, I mean, you, you need to watch it. It's called Warrior. It's very good. You had something you wanted to? Yeah, I wanted to. Uh, first of all, North Dallas 40. Um, I was considering that. Yeah. Uh, that is the best pro football movie I think, I think so. of all time. But it, it, you know the the character that Mac Davis played in yep. that, the quarterback was supposed to be Don Meredith, yep. who was the Cowboys quarterback. And there was a guy when I was at Georgia. There was this guy who owned a couple of bars and and in uh, Athens named Craig Sky Hertwig. And he owned a bar called Sky's Place that I would go in there just to, to read and study. And uh, and Sky was in that movie. He would play oh. one of the offensive linemen in the movie. Six okay. foot nine. <laughs> um, but I also want I had I had an honorable mention. I thought somebody was going to name. I thought Blake would have this movie. Is remember the Titans? Yeah, I did kick it around. Yeah, I was, and I said, well, I was torn, and I said somebody else will bring it up, and I could talk about it. But I, <laughs> I, I, that movie is one of the most rewatchable yeah. movies. My kids, my wife, will sit down and watch it if it yeah. comes on all the time because it's a, you know, it's about high school football and racial, you know, reconciliation, and you know that's a that's a winner for me. So uh, that's a uh, that's probably the best high school football yeah. movie. Uh, that I can think of. But one thing I alluded to a little while ago, baseball and boxing, for some reason, lend themselves more to... I mean, if you think about the great boxing movies, of course, we mentioned Rocky, and uh, you mentioned... um, What was the other one that you mentioned? It wasn't Rocky. No, I mentioned that uh, uh, when we were kings. kings. Also, Raging Bull, The Fighter with Mark Wahlberg is a very good movie. Oh, you mentioned Warrior. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of great. There's a there's a very underrated comedy movie called The Great White Hype with uh, with Jamie Foxx and um, Jeff Goldblum and Samuel L. Jackson. It's sort of underrated, but and there's a lot. You know, we mentioned The Natural, all those. Field of Dreams, all yep. those movies, Bull Durham, all came out in that one little period. In the 80s, yeah. Uh, yeah the Natural was in 84, and I think Field of Dreams maybe was in 89. Yeah, I think and, so. Um, and, but then there aren't, you know, we named the, the best basketball movie probably as Hoosiers. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, and, uh, and then there aren't that many great football movies. I think, yeah. there's, I think there's some out there. I'd like to see some more football movies, but I just wanted to make that, that comment. There's a... And there's a number that I w- I'd kicked around. You know, there's a number that didn't make the list. Moneyball is one I thought about. Yeah. That's a good movie. Um, uh, even the Bad News Bears is a great sports movie. Yeah. You know, um, I, I'm a big fan. It's not. It's not really sports, sports entertainment, but the wrestler was one that I thought I told about. You. Did I not? That's what that's I whispered. A, it's a great I movie. To him, like I, said, I bet the wrestlers it's, on I Ben's list. I couldn't do it only somewhere. because it's it's not technically a real sport. It's sports um, entertainment. 
It's a good. It's a great movie though. Mickey. I think Mickey Rourke should have won the Oscar that year. Um, uh, but there's a there's a film noir from the 40s that's all about like boxing and like rigging boxing matches called The Setup. Uh, such a good movie. It's a great movie, but it's all about this fighter that's been asked to like throw a throw a fight, and um, that's really good. But there's a bunch of them. Uh, and box, like you said, with boxing and and baseball in particular, though, there's just we literally we could do a whole show on boxing movies if we wanted to, yeah. um, and maybe we will. Maybe so. Um, I kicked two football movies around too. Um, that was Goldie Hawn's Wildcats and uh, <laughs> Necessary Roughness. I like both of those movies. What about uh, Oliver Stone's Any Given Sunday? <laughs> I did not like that at all. I was wanting I to see what the, I like wanted that to movie. see what the reaction to that no, was. I would rather watch Keanu Reeves in The Replacement. <laughs> that than wasn't Any a Given bad Sunday. movie. Anything with Jack bad Morgan movie, gets a Really a great movie either. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Newt Rockney, All American. Yeah. Um, you got anything? Rudy. Rudy. Yeah, that was another. That's a, that's a pretty Rudy decent Rudiger. movie. You know, Rudy. I really. It's weirder than in that I really consider it more of a just regular drama than a sports movie. I'm just but, saying, if your last name's Rudiger, whose parents going to be so evil to name you Rudy? <laughs> Rudy Rudiger. You know, he realized his football career wasn't going to make it, so he decided to travel to Middle Earth and save the <laughs> save the shire. <laughs> and what about um, the Will Ferrell basketball movie? <laughs> I did not like that. Semi-pro. <laughs> semi-pro. Now, you didn't I even mean, learn Talladega how to play Nights basketball. Was a great movie. I didn't like semi-pro. <laughs> I mean, if you can include those, you got to throw like dodgeball in there. Dodgeball is a sport now. <laughs> that is true. To dodgeball. Um, too bad there aren't any great curling movies. <laughs> I bet there is some esoteric independent Canadian <laughs> movie that's Bolly- about curling. Bollywood curling if dodgeball movie. Dodgeball was really a sport and had a pro league. I would have put that dodgeball as number one. <laughs> but they do have a pro league. And- I mean, you can catch on like ESPN eight every on now the Ocho. Um, <laughs> that's so crazy. That is wild. All right. Uh, ben, you guys saw you got? That yeah. has been our top five list for the week. Now, join us back next week. We're going to be talking about uh, and discussing our top five all time albums from the 1990s. Ben, I'm going to. Jeez, oh, Lord. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm going to purposely put another album besides 10 at my number one. All right, let's do this. Best albums of the 90s that aren't 10 by Pearl Jam. Oh, <laughs> we're, taking man. The, we're taking 10 by Pearl Jam off the table. 10. It's a great. We'll preface the list by saying clearly 10, 10 by 10. Pearl Jam is both right. of ours. I'll, gi- I'll give you that much. I'll give you that much. Um, we are at an hour 18. Ben, why don't you give us some what's happening around the area before we bounce up out of here so there's there's not a whole lot going on directly in this area right now except for um on september 19th uh abac and tifton they're going to be having uh like broadway stars uh doing some uh some broadway things <laughs> at uh at abac uh, i didn't get a list of like who those broadway stars were but um, they will be uh, if you're interested in in the stage and the theater, you can uh, you can go to uh, ABAC on September 19th and uh, and check out the uh, the review that they'll have going on. Uh, but other than that, September 13th in Atlanta, uh, the Drive By Truckers are going to be performing. What? Uh, they're a great band. If you don't know them, I highly recommend that you go check them out. Um, they wrote a whole they wrote a whole album about. Um, or at least one song about the relationship between Ronnie Van Zant and Neil Young. Yeah. <laughs> it is a great song. 
And uh, and September 14th, uh, Music Midtown's coming back to Atlanta for two uh, 14th and the 15th. Um, um, it's it's a little less rock oriented this year than it has been in the past. So if uh, but here's the headliners: uh, Cardi B. Yeah, I just saw the face you made, Blake. Uh, Cardi B, Travis Scott, Panic at the Disco, Billie Eilish, uh, Vampire Weekend, and Lizzo are the uh, the headliners of music midtown this year um, i like so. Billie eilish i like some of her music i'll be honest with you i don't know enough <laughs> to, her to music say one like, way or the other <laughs> it's more on the depressing side but you know I'm okay she has with some pretty cool melodies i like some of her i sing the cure live i can i'm tradition. okay with depressing <laughs> cardi cardi b you know that's a you know, all of it. her songs sound the same and I saw this comedian one time this is totally and I mean if you listen to Cardi B that's cool but he said every time I hear a Cardi B song all I can picture listening to it are women who write their names holding a color crayon in a balled up fist <laughs> like they write like that and you, I almost died did you see the video that I, I posted a while back of uh, Star Wars with uh, Cardi B doing the sound effects yeah, yeah. <laughs> or he said Cardi B makes music for women that watch paper plates in the dishwasher <laughs> wow oh, did you see the Star Wars with Owen Wilson doing the lightsaber sound effect <laughs> hey wow wow <laughs> wow it was so funny oh, speaking of, of the going show, back though. to Saturday Night Live from uh, was that last week we did Saturday yeah. Night Live <laughs> I can't wow. keep it true. Uh, there's a great skit where um, that they did uh, several years ago of uh, Wes Anderson doing a, a horror movie, yeah. and Edward Norton's playing Owen Wilson, and like they give like a little like, "Hey, wow, somebody's trying to kill us!" Wow, <laughs> like, it was called like the the coterie of murderers or something like that. It was really funny. Uh, there are a couple of what's happening. I want to add here, Ben, since Ooh. we're in September and we're getting like into the fall months or whatever yeah jacksonville's got a pretty pretty like i mean it could be considered an exciting lineup at vistar october the first they've got guns and roses yep which i'm dying to go to october 20th they have carrie underwood um let's see thomas red i don't care about october <laughs> 25th they have post malone uh december 1st ariana grande that's one Leanna would love to see october 10th is chris stapleton hey. uh, jonas brothers are there in november alan jackson is there september 21st when did I, I, I have a question when did the jonas brothers become a thing again i have no idea <laughs> i don't even know why i mentioned that um jacksonville was like slam celine dion's gonna be there in january or her Courage World Tour, and not like anybody. Anyways, let me hush. Uh, <laughs> Five Finger Death Dog. Punch is going to be there in November. I would love to watch them. <laughs> um, now at some other, some other um, spots around Jacksonville. Uh, let's see, Christian. I don't really cares about him. UB40 featuring Ali Campbell is going to be at yep. Daly's Place. Um, where's the other one? Zach Brown Band is going to be at Daly's Place on the seventeenth. Um, Bastille, whoever that is. And listen to that. There's a Saved by the '90s music show coming uh, September 13th. Brantley Gilbert. Everybody said Ross used to look like. Yeah, that's a lot. true. I remember that. <laughs> uh, Snow, the product. You remember Snow and Mr. Informer? Informer? <laughs> yeah, he's going to be at Jack Rabbit's live on September 15th. So Licky Boom Boom Down. He's going to be licking the Boom Boom Down. <laughs> there is um, a Chicago the band show October 18th Saturday. at Daly's Place. Um, In the park. Let's see. A Game of Thrones live concert experience? I don't... Yeah, yeah let's, let's kind of get this, Ben. Here's one you want to go to. Florida Theater, Thursday, 8... I mean, Thursday, at October 3rd, 8 p.m. Scott Stapp. It's in a solo show. 
<laughs> With arms wide open. He's going to sing uh, your favorite hymns from kids. Going, Amazing grace. Is he going to have one foot on top of the monitor <laughs> yeah. the whole time? <laughs> when we all get to heaven. <laughs> that would be a great, the greatest parody of album of all time. Almighty fortress is our God. That would be so good. That would be. Oh, come thou fount of every blessing. <laughs> Rescue the perishing. Oh my gosh. That would be excellent. I'm going to petition my congressman to make this happen. That is going to be great. If we can't get behind anything else in America, <laughs> we need we Scott's Hymns album. That would be amazing. They, that reminds me, SCTV did a skit years ago called Gordon Lightfoot Sings Every Song Ever Written. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's just Rick Moranis pretending to be Gordon Lightfoot singing. <laughs> that is singing. amazing. <laughs> Scott Stout. Here, 76 trombones in the big parade. <laughs> that would be great. Oh, man, there's one other I'm excited about, and I've been saying every year I'm going to go see this when they come to Jacksonville, but I don't. Trans Siberian Orchestra is there December the 12th. That's a Thursday at Vice Star. I really would like to go see that. I really I like that's it. a really good I show. I really like Trans Siberian <laughs> Orchestra. But yeah, I'm you know I'm glad I just I was I was scrolling through this like I was almost to close it out and then I was like how can I not tell people that Scott Stapp's going to be at the Florida Theater <laughs> on October the third I'm going to hit this because I need to know I, I used to say this all the seems. time and people always gave me weird looking like weird looks but like Scott Stapp to me like in the face I don't know what it is but he looked like that little chicken hawk from the Foghorn Leghorn cartoon oh my gosh. <laughs> and people would always be like what and I'm like he, I don't know what it is he does I'll it's never a- be able to see the chicken hawk I'm or chicken hawk. Stop the same ever again I'll say I'll say now that's fun Anyways, now that we've had our laugh at Scott Stapp's expense, um, and we've informed you, we just made him cry himself to sleep. Oh my gosh, he's like, "Hey, that's a great idea." He probably has a voice like this. I think I should do a hymns album. (laughs) Shout to the Lord! (laughs) Oh my god. And what's bad is when Sunday morning gets here and I start leading worship at first. You're gonna Baptist, start singing like Scott. I'm gonna, Stapp. yeah, unintentionally Scott Stapp everything. So what we're saying is that there aren't gonna be any Creed albums on our list next week. Yeah, probably. Well, I, I, probably not. Anyways, this has been another exciting and informative edition of Ben Mike's Excellent Adventure podcast. We're glad that um, you chose to join us this week. Thankful to Lynn Robbins for dropping in and giving yeah. us his perspective on sports movies. Always a welcome guest here. Um, I want to watch that documentary about the Yale-Harvard game. Yeah, you have to go snoop it out. Use your sleuth skill and find it. Um, what else am I going to say? Oh, need to thank our sponsors one more time. It's Acme Pharmacy, located on East Dame Avenue in Homerville, 912-487-5327. Stop by for all your pharmaceutical prescription drugs, healthcare-related product needs. Tell them we sent you by. Tell them you heard about them on our podcast. Yeah. Also need to thank Anchor FM, the website, and the app for hosting the podcast and getting us out there on other platforms like Google Play, uh, Stitcher, Radio America, Spotify. We're still waiting for iTunes to get back with us. Um, but yeah, we want to thank you. giving them. us the hi hat. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, Anchor <laughs> FM, they make it, you know, so if you want to record a podcast, you ever had a dream about recording a podcast, go check them out. You can download their app and record directly to it, or you can record it and upload it like we do. Um, if you have any suggestions, we would love to hear from you guys. 
Uh, That's what we do this for anyway. So we need to know what you like, what you don't like, things you would change, things you would add, so forth and so on. You can get us at many different, many different directories. Our directories. Why did I say that? So dumb. (laughs) Anyways, you can check us out on Twitter. We're there at Excellent Dudes. You can get us on Instagram at Ben and Blake's Excellent Adventure. You can check us out on our Ben and Blake's Excellent Adventure Facebook page. Um, You can email us, Ben and Blake's Excellent Adventure at gmail.com. Or if you're friends with Ben and I personally, um, message us there. And if you're not friends with us, add us. Yeah. You can say you know somebody that's not famous but want to think that they're famous. <laughs> uh, but yeah, let us know. And we would love, 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 absolutely love to hear from you guys. I put a lot of love into that one. Put a little love in your heart, Ben. Love is all you need. That's right. Um, so I guess it's time to say goodbye. And adieu. So hard to say goodbye to yesterday. <laughs> but anyways. Uh, we did two Beatles references at the end of this one. What? what? It totally was. But anyways, see how we just keep going. Um, so let's, let's go ahead and get out of here, Ben. So for Ben and Blake's Six Adventure Podcast, this is the one and only Blake saying, be excellent to each other. And party on, dudes. <laughs> <laughs> you had to Scott Stafford. Great. All right, guys, we will catch you all next week. Peace. Peace.